go wrong, we feel it so deeply. Uh, Brett Inder was a professor at Monash University in 2002. And he was going about his usual activities as Associate Professor of Econ Econ Econometrics at Monash University when um, a startling loud gunfire shot rang out through the corridors in this usually quiet um, area. He and a colleague had heard the screaming and they'd locked their office door and they'd called for security and for the police to come. Uh, after we called security, we unlocked the door to see what was going on, Professor Inder said. Looking inside the nearby classroom that, sh that the shot had rung out from, Professor Inder was shocked when he saw a couple of wounded students just lying on the floor and the gunman uh, who had been wrestled to the floor by a lecturer named Lee Gordon Brown. And they were fighting, <coughs> wrestling with one another. He says, Brett Inner says, I quickly ran down the corridor to ring security and police again. After returning, I looked over the, uh, uh, I took over restraining the gunman to give Gordon Brown, who was ex exhausted, a break. Gordon Brown asked me to take over, wrestling the gunman to the floor. As soon as I did, Gordon Brown fell to the floor. He'd been shot once in the arm and once in the leg. He'd also dropped then down after I took over in exhaustion. By the time I held him down, uh, held the gunman down, the gun that the gunman had used was on the floor. Brett Idner says, I, I motioned to a colleague to pick up the gun and lock it in her office. It was amazing to see the gunman was reasonably calm, he said. I held him down for quite a period of time. We noticed various weapons around his waist and asked colleagues to take them away. A trained nurse who worked in the administration section of the building came to administer first aid. We tried to keep everyone calm and to encourage each other until police came and took the gunman away. After this harrowing day that Brett Idner had experienced, he, uh, he knew that the memories would be etched in his mind for a long time. But what had taken place in Melbourne in 2002, he, he said he, he was surprised that this thing didn't happen more often. The professor in the, suggested that the, the scourge of loneliness and fragmentation of community that was around was contributing to people's inability to cope with their lives. He said, sometimes I'm surprised we don't have more chaos like this in our society. All of us, to varying extents, struggle with life, but hopefully many of us have resources such as family, community and church to help us cope, Professor Idna said. Many people struggle in our society, struggle on alone. So many have lousy network support systems. Uh, he, he was saying that there's so much breakdown in society as you reflected upon this young man's life, he could see that he was alone with not many really good friendships in life. And the census data in 2001 shows us that in the 21st century, Australia is facing just a collapse of its traditional family structure. The average household size is shrinking as marriage and fertility rates are plummet. They plummet. And as so many young of the younger generation now are choosing to live alone. Uh, sole parent families have grown 
And in the last 30 years, they've grown two and a half times um, from uh, up to 15% just in the last 30 years. It's not a good situation for us to be in. It's not a good situation for us as a country. It's not very a good situation for us as a people when relationships are breaking down. Let me ask you just a few questions about relationships and see whether we think alike about relationships. Let me ask you this. Uh, the parents of a six-year-old go to meet the, the teacher at a parent-teacher night. And the parent-teacher says, your daughter or your son doesn't mix with other students. They, they don't mix with other students at all. He or she has no friends. They rarely engage with other kids during recess or before school or after school. The teacher says, they're kind of like they're in their own little world. Now, let me ask you a question. Should the parents of this child be concerned? Yes. How concerned? Just a little bit concerned or a lot concerned? It's a, it's a big concern, isn't it? Relationships are important. If you think at this point, yes, they should be very concerned indeed, then we're thinking alike. Uh, imagine this one. You're going out with Mr or Mrs Wright and uh, hints of tying the knot seem to just pop up in the conversations every now and again. Uh, sometimes marriage comes up in the conversation and then you learn that your heartthrob actually doesn't have any friends. They haven't got any friends at all. In fact, they've never been interested in friendship. Not in primary school, not in high school, not even when they got to uni were they interested in friends. Your heart throb has been mainly just dreaming that one day they're going to just get married and it's going to be fine. How much of a problem is this? Is this a, just a little uh-oh? Or is it a big uh-oh? I think if you're thinking like me, it's a big uh-oh. We're thinking alike. Because relationships are important. R relationships are, are very important. I wonder how your relationship networks are going. Do you ever experience like uh, the closeness and love and support in life and with others around you? Do you experience that kind of closeness and love? Or do you feel like you've just burnt your bridges through your life? You know, relationships have broken down. Sometimes there's been friendships, but then when damage and hurt comes and, and conflict comes, you've just left that relationship behind and walked on. Do you know, God wants you to have the most richest relationships possible. His desire is that you would have the best relationships with the people around you that you can imagine. Uh, relationships of love and trust and hope and honesty and care, that you would be interacting with one another deeply and loving each other deeply. You know, God's ultimate purpose for you being here on earth is that you would have a relationship with him. He made you so he could get to know you, so that he could love you, so that he could have a relationship with you. Uh, and someone asked Jesus when he was on earth what the most com important commandment in the whole Bible was. Jesus didn't hesitate to give his answer. He said the greatest commandment in the whole Bible is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind 
This is the first and greatest commandment. And he said, and the second one is this, love your neighbour as yourself. You know what? God's desire is that you would know him and that you would love him and that he would love you. And that because of you receiving his love, you would be able to love others and have deep and strong and rich relationships with other people. See, Christianity is first and foremost about relationships rather than rules. It's about a person rather than about a philosophy. It's about the most important relationship of all, having a relationship with God. There's only one problem, though, is each of us, like Maria, have left home. We've, we've gone our own way. We've, we've walked away from God and we've said, we, we're going to the city. We're heading our own way. Some of us have, have willingly turned our back on God. Perhaps it was for you when you were 12 or 13 and your parents said, well, now you're old enough to decide whether you're going to still keep going to church. And perhaps then you stopped going to church, but at the same time, you, you turned your back on God altogether. And perhaps you said, I'm going to try things my own way. Life's too fun to be having all rules and control and things that you experienced back when you were younger. And perhaps you've found yourself here now trying to do life in the city, trying to do life in your own way. For some of you, perhaps it's been a, a willingly just turning right away from God and saying, I don't want anything to do with what God might be wanting for my life. And perhaps you've tried to have all the fun of, of living and maybe you've got into drugs or to alcohol or to you know, sexual relationships, just trying to meet your needs and do whatever you would like for yourself. You know, the Bible says that if you have headed to the city, you're just like everybody else. Because the Bible says that all of us have sinned. All of us have gone our own way. All of us have walked away from God. Every one of us. I know what it's like to be living in the city. I know what it's like to have walked away from God because all of us have done that. And the Bible says that the wages or the payment for that kind of thing is death. You see, God is holy. God is good. God is right. God is just. God is loving. There's no sin when it comes to God. There's no evil. There's no turning or twisting things to God. God is pure and right and just. Now, when we turn and go our own way and we turn our back on God, we sin and we walk away from him. And God, who's holy and just, can't have relationship with us and a chasm forms. We go over here and we live and we're separated from God. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 verse 2 that your sin, your going your own way, your desire to do your own thing has cut you off from God. It's like every time you sin, every time you do your own thing, go your own way, lie to people, destroy relationships, break down, uh, you know, cheat, steal, whatever you do, builds just a, a pile of sin, which is so high that it causes God to hide his face from you. Or a chasm that's so wide that you just can't get back. And like a, a fresh rose 
that's growing in the ground, when it's cut off from its life source, from the one who you were created to be in relationship with, when a flower is cut off, it looks pretty for a while, it looks great in the vase, but the truth is underneath it all, it's slowly dying. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, going your own way, enjoying the city life, making you your own God. It leads to death. You're cut off from the life source, the life-giving source. And in the end, you will die separated from God forever. What a terrible thing. You know what makes it one of the worst things is that we can't do anything about the situation. I mean... Who of us hasn't on this side tried to earn our way back to God? You know, tried to get back and, and cross the bridge ourselves. You know, but we, we, we've tried to build, break down. We've tried to dig away all our sin and make things right by doing good things. We've tried to, you know, get across the chasm ourselves. But the truth is we can't because God is so holy and we've turned our back on him and we've done our own thing that the distance between us is so great that we can never earn our way back again. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves earn our way back to be right in God's sight. Do you know, God loves you. And he ultimately wants us to have the best relationship with him possible so that we can love others. So what he did was he didn't leave us in this predicament. He built a bridge. He built a bridge to cross the the chasm. He removed the mountain. He made it possible for the mountain of sin between us and him to be taken away. He built a bridge. And do you know when he built that bridge? He built that bridge when he came to earth. God came to earth in the flesh. Jesus walked this earth. God said, I don't want my people to be separated from me. So he came and he lived a life on earth which was totally sinless. Jesus walked the earth. God walked the earth. And then he died on the cross and they they crucified him. And all the Bible writers and Jesus himself says, I've come, I've given my life so that you can come and have life through me. Jesus, when he died on the cross, was taking upon himself yours and my sin. He was bridging the gap and making it possible for us to come back home to God. Not through anything we've done. Not through anything that we've been able to earn by you know, going to church or reading the Bible or just being a nice person or giving blood or, or giving to the Red Shield. Nothing like that. God bridged the gap through sending Jesus to die on the cross in our place. That's why Easter is such an incredible time for us. Because we remember and we acknowledge that God came to earth. Jesus died on the cross taking upon all our sin taking upon him all the punishment, the penalty that we deserve. In his body while he died, he took upon himself the wages of our sin. So now, because of Jesus' death, because of his resurrection, the way is open for you to come home. All you need to do is put your trust in Jesus Christ and say, thank you God for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I want to come back to where I was created to be. I want to come back 
and, and be in relationship with you. You know, until you do this, your life will not be one of, of deep meaning. Our hearts long to be right with God. Our hearts long to be receiving God's love and giving it to others, other people. God wants you to come home. If you haven't crossed the bridge, he wants you to cross the bridge today to come home, to give your life to him through what Jesus has done. God's saying to you this Easter, uh, whatever you've done, whatever you've become, come home. He's built the bridge. He's sent his son Jesus who's died. And it doesn't matter what you've become. He's inviting you to come home. His grace is such that he's saying, just trust in me. Put your faith in me. Look to my son Jesus and all that he's done on the cross and come home. Just want to give you a chance to respond this morning. Uh, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, he gave, uh, whoever receives him, He gives the right to become their children. You know, this morning, God wants you to become his child. And all you need to do is say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. If you'd like to do that, um, we're just going to pray. And I'm getting an opportunity. If you would like to cross the bridge this morning, just going to ask you right where you're sitting, just to stand up if you'd like to do that and take your seat again. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pray together just confirming and so that you'll be able to say those words again. So why don't we close our eyes and pray now. And this morning in these moments of quietness, if you are saying, yes, I want to come home, why don't you just in these, these moments now just stand quietly and then sit down again. Just take your seat, stand and sit down again. If you're saying, I want to come home, Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, right in these moments, I realise I've been going my own way. I'm sorry. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to come home. I want to come into your family. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for accepting me, allowing me to come home. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, you just want to say, Welcome, come home. Thank you for coming home. Jesus is great and you can't have this kind of relationship with him. You know, for so many, any other way apart from coming through Jesus Christ. You know, so many of us uh, have given our lives already to Christ. And this Easter, you know, the same power that is, was at work in Jesus, in him rising from the dead, is at work in you as you build loving relationships with other people, as you overcome the barriers 
as you conquer sin through God's strength. And as you live your life seeking to reconcile with other people, do you know what the ultimate conclusion of a life that is lived trusting in Jesus is? One day when we die, we go straight to be with him. We go to be with him for eternity. Why? Not because of anything we've done, but because Jesus bridged the gap and brought us back to God. That's going to be a fabulous day, isn't it? It's going to be an incredible day when we see Jesus face to face because we've trusted in him. I'm looking forward to that day. And this Easter, you can know if you're trusting in Jesus Christ that that day is definitely going to come. Christ is risen. He's risen from the dead. And you can know that you'll meet him face to face. And what a day that's going to be.